Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to welcome everyone who's listening. And uh, we continue to bring you interesting and I think helpful programs uh, throughout this time. I'm going to have a industrial designer who is the executive director of the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. Uh, Professor James Howard is going to join me. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to find out a little bit about the uh, Hall of Fame, it is a virtual museum. And you can go to B-I-H-O-F dot O-R-G. That's B-I-H-O-F dot O-R-G, the Black Inventors Hall of Fame dot org. And uh, it's fascinating. He's got pictures and information about inventions that have really helped to change and mold this country uh, and the world, really, since slavery, actually, that were done by Black people. So uh, Professor James Howard is going to join me at 9 o'clock today and talk about not just historical uh, inventors, but also current day inventors right now. He also has a school for those who want to learn design thinking. And uh, so he'll be available to answer questions about that. Go to lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com, my website, and you can see a picture of Dr. Howard, of, of Professor Howard, and also a link to his program uh, and more information that he's going to elaborate on when he comes on at 9 o'clock. Each week, I talk about wills, trust, and estate planning, because that's the only kind of law that I do. Uh, and I have found that law is really powerful. It can certainly help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. And what you don't know about the law can hurt you, whereas what you do know empowers you. So the objective of this program is to empower you. If you have questions while I'm on the air, you can call in at 1-800-450-7876. And today, call in early because once Professor Howard comes on, we're going to talk about inventors, okay? So call in during this first part of the program if you've had questions that you had not gotten to answer last week or you've been thinking about, about wills, trusts, power of attorneys, deeds, what happens to property when someone dies, 1-800-450-7876. And of course, if you'd like to schedule an appointment with my office, call us at 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. Today, I wanted to particularly bring to your attention the problems that I'm seeing when people use form wills, okay? Do not use wills that you buy in the store. Please do not use wills that you try to make up yourself. Please come to a lawyer and let us prepare your wills 
and supervise the execution of the wills. This week alone, I was given copies of two different wills. One was a form that was used in a hospital with someone who died within a couple of days of signing it. Another was a form that was done a couple of years ago. In each instance, even though there was a notary on the document, it is still going to be very difficult to establish that that will should be valid and admitted by the court as a valid will to distribute the property of the deceased persons. I beg of you, if you get a lawyer to do these things. And one of the most important and neglected elements of a will that is critical and essential is what we call the attestation clause. It isn't even about what's inside of the will so much as the language that is on the will when the person signs the will and the two people sign as witnesses. It is not enough to just sign the will, have two people sign the will as witnesses, and notarize it. There's certain language or attestation language that is critical and when you use these forms, so often that language is not in there. Or if you're having your will prepared by someone who is not a lawyer, they don't realize how critically important this language is. Basically, what the language says, the attestation language says, is the person who signed the will, who's called a testator, signed it in front of the two people who are the witnesses. At the time that they signed it, they were, I'm just paraphrasing the language, okay? It has to say that they were in their right mind. They were not under duress. They knew it was their will. They signed it in front of us, i.e. the witnesses, and the witnesses signed it in front of them, So that convoluted language, it sounds very convoluted, but that is considered an integral part of a valid will. The witnesses have to say on the will, on the document itself, that the person signed it in front of them, he he or she was in their right mind, they were not under duress, and that they signed it in front of that person and each other. That's called the attestation clause. If it is not there, the only thing you can try and do is find those witnesses and have them sign an affidavit and hope that the court will accept it. And so often, wills are done years before the witnesses are employees in a lawyer's office or just strangers who happen to be in the bank when you signed off on it. And finding those people can be extremely difficult, if not impossible. So it is, you know, just avoid that problem. Spend the money to have a lawyer prepare a proper will for you that has 
the proper language, the attestation language. That language is more important than the notary. Just notarizing it does not fix that. So if you have a will or your parents or grandparents have a will that was done, even if it was notarized, please let a lawyer look at it while they are alive and hope and in their right mind, because you have to be in your right mind to sign your will, and let us redo it so that when they pass away, you have a valid will that will distribute property the way they want it to go. Because when the will is not accepted by the court as valid, like it can be if you can't establish the attestation part, then it's as if they didn't even do a will. And the law of intestacy, which is the law that governs when someone dies without a will, will be the law in the way in which their property is to be distributed. And quite often, the reason why they're doing a will is because they want something different to happen. And you can say they're turning over in their grave and all kinds of stuff like that, but it will not help you if you do not have a valid will capable of being accepted by the court and uh, used to distribute property. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. The name of my law office is Wills and Trust LLC. We are working remotely. We continue to work a lot, very hard. Uh, we do estate documents for people in Maryland, the District of Columbia, and Northern Virginia. Uh, so give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. If you want us to look at a will that you have to see if it's still valid or if it needs to be, you know, renewed or reviewed or, you know, whatever. But the execution of a will is just as important often as what's in the will, and it is so often the reason that what looks like a valid will is not going to be accepted by the court. So it's it's really important. I, I, I'm getting more and more of these wills that people are sending to me and asking me to help them to, you know, do the administration of the estate and so on. And when I look at the wills and I look at them closely because often they look fine. They look fine. They have the witnesses. They have the notary on them and so on. But when I look for that specific language, it's not on there. And that tells me that we're going to have trouble getting this will admitted as a valid will before the court. So if you have questions, call now at 1-800-450-7876, 1-800-450-7876, while I'm on the air, because it is the will that is, will or trust, which is the mechanism, the legal document that's used to pass on property when somebody dies. And just tell your 
your your your your your spouse, your mothers, your fathers. You could blame me if you want. I don't I don't mind that mama we got to get a properly drawn up will in order to make sure that your wishes are carried out because if they're not then exactly what you don't want to happen will happen okay there are no excuses here the law is very clear and the law says you know there is no excuse uh, the, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. It's really tough when these things come up. And either you have to tell the person that I don't see a way to do this, or you have to get somebody to litigate it. Now, there are lawyers that I know who I I have passed on documents to to litigate, to, you know, go before the court and argue vehemently that, this is this should be valid and so on, and um, you know so it can be done, but I they're not always successful, and the money that you try to save by doing it yourself, by buying a little two dollar form uh, at Staples or wherever you get them from, or printing them out online, your family is going to spend many multiples of that money with a lawyer trying to fix what could have easily been done correctly in the first place. So please, I beg of you, if, you're, if you or your parents or your loved one has done a will that they got online or they bought at the store, please get it reviewed by a lawyer, okay? It's worth it to know for sure that it is executed properly and that it's going to be acceptable to the court. And this is important, okay, because when it's not, it's going to cost a lot more money to get it accepted. Um, and it's so unnecessary when you just have it done right in the first place. And don't hesitate on doing this, please, because the person whose will it is if it needs to be redone, it needs to be redone and signed while they are competent to do so. And in today's world of COVID, when somebody is in a nursing home already or in a rehabilitation facility or hospital, it is extremely difficult to get documents signed and witnessed. Because the witnesses have to be there at the same time, and they have to sign in front of each other with that language. And the other thing that when lawyers do it, at least the way I've always done it, and I've, most of the wills I've seen with lawyers, we actually have the addresses of the witnesses on the will. So if there's a question about who the witnesses are, or we have to get in touch with them to uh, sign an additional, like in D.C. and in Virginia, I know there's an affidavit of witness to a will. We have their addresses, and that those addresses are actually on the document itself. Uh, sometimes in lawyers' offices, there are staff members of the lawyer's office, and so the lawyer's office is there. But at least it tells us where we can go back to and say, 
you know, do you know Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, and can you help us to get in touch with them because they were witnesses to this particular will? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I hope that you will stay tuned at 9 o'clock. I'm going to have Professor James Howard on. He is himself an industrial designer. I didn't even know what that was. It's fascinating. And he is the executive director of the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. Go to bihof.org, and you. I was blown away with the pictures and the information about just the ones that they have up there. Uh, and uh, he's going to tell us who knew three of the ma- of the nine patents for the first IBM uh, computer uh, was owned by a black man. You know, who knew voice over the internet protocols was invented by a black woman. There's so many fascinating uh, inventions that we have have participated in and and been responsible for that we don't know. And the whole country needs to know as well as we and our children need to know. So please stay tuned. Professor James Howard is coming on at 9 o'clock, and he's going to share this information with us. In the meantime, though, let me reiterate what I say each week. Every person needs to have a last will and testament. They need to have a power of attorney, and they need to have a medical directive. Perhaps a trust. Trust is very important if you want privacy, if you don't want to have to go and have your business in public. Uh, If you have minor children or dependent heirs, a trust is used. And if you want to control distribution over a period of time, a trust is used and to avoid probate. So, but not everybody wants a trust. So I'm not a lawyer. Some lawyers say you have to have a trust. You have to have a trust. No, you don't. But at the very least, you need a properly executed last will and testament. That is the document that's going to control the disposition of much of your property when you die. Now, of course, we also look at deeds. We look at beneficiary designations of uh, bank accounts, of retirement accounts, of life insurance policies. All of those are mechanisms for distributing property as well. And that's why, even though I tell you, you need just these three primary documents primarily, and that is true, you, you need the will. A lot of times we're able to still avoid probate by how we do the deeds, the beneficiary designations, and so forth. But it takes a bit of time and effort just to organize it and make sure it's done. And that way you've saved your family so much distress and so much time and so much legal expenses uh, as well. So give us a call at Wills and Trusts, LLC, 240-638-2828, If you're in Washington, D.C., Maryland, or Northern Virginia, if you're not in this area, find a lawyer in your state that can help you uh, and have that person do a properly drawn up will 
power of attorney and advanced medical directive so that you know when you pass away, your property is going to go where you want it to go. And those of you who are expecting to receive property from your ancestors or spouses or whoever, please encourage them to to go to a lawyer and get the documents done and execute it properly. It's very, very important. Um, Very, very important. So as I say, call me now while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. Or call the office 240-638-2828. So you have these three documents. The last will and testament, which is effective when you die. That's what takes over when you die. The power of attorney is no longer any good when you're dead. A lot of people don't understand that. I've had otherwise very, very well-educated people say, oh, well, I have the power of attorney. I can keep on using it. No, you can't. Once the person who gave you the power of attorney dies, the power of attorney, as I like to say, dies with you, with them, okay? The power of attorney is extremely helpful while you are alive, certainly, um, that person is allowed under the power of attorney, usually at least under general durable power of attorney, to help you and to actually perform for you legal and financial transactions as needed. Once it becomes effective, power of attorneys may be springing or it may be only effective if you are disabled. And that's another term for it. In other words, the power of attorney by its term says this is only effective if two doctors or one doctor says I am incompetent. So the person, like if it's your Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith has a stroke and is no longer able to sign documents, then his his son or daughter, whoever he's named on his power of attorney, is able to sign for him but they use, they need to have a doctor's certificate, at least the way mine are written, to show that he's unable to act because he's disabled. Other power of attorneys can be made effective immediately so that you don't have to show that. If, you, if, you're, if your uh, agent is already helping you, they already make out your checks. A lot of times people come to me and they've been signing people's checks for years, Okay not supposed to do that, but once you have the power of attorney, you can do that. Um, And when you have a power of attorney and you're signing with the power of attorney, you name the person's name first by your name. So, for example, if Mr. James Smith is the person who owns the account or is doing something or is, is telling his agent, Ms. Mabel Smith, to do something for him with his power of attorney. And Ms. Mabel Smith has to sign for Mr. James Smith. The proper way to sign a power of attorney is Ms. Mabel Smith signs James Smith first. He signs his name first by Mabel Smith, comma, P-O-A, or power of attorney. That's the proper way to sign 
using a power of attorney. You sign the name of the principal first, and then you put by your name, the agent, and then comma, POA. That clearly shows that you're signing in for them in your capacity as a power of attorney. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. The only kind of law we do is estate planning where we do wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts, and we counsel you with what's, what are the different ways in which your property can be distributed. We look at your deeds, and we, if you let us, we try to make sure that your accounts are properly titled and your beneficiary designations are consistent with your wishes. So give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Mr. James Howard is going to come on. He is a professor. He is an industrial designer and has himself produced over 400 products uh, and holds 18 patents. So I'm executive director of the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. I'm your host, is Professor James Howard, and an industrial designer and inventor himself with over 300 black inventors and who they are from slavery. He's also the executive director of the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. So that's a great You can go there. It's a virtual museum. And you can go things. there, and, and the um, website is B. I, I think you'll find him very interesting, very informative. You can also go to my website, lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com, and you will see a web page that I designed, I created, and put up that shows Professor Howard and gives you more information about the inventors that are already in the Hall of Fame. And I want him to tell us. Not only about those, let's start with history, okay? Um, I was shocked to see that back in the 1700s, the cure for smallpox was found by a slave. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, it is correct. And very few people know um, the contributions of this slave. Uh, His name is Onesimus. And uh, Onesimus was a slave whose uh, master did not uh, in fact, uh, trust uh, anything uh, that he did nor said. Uh, he was often under very, very close watch, uh, as was pretty much the temperament for many slaves back then on behalf of their owners. And in the town of Boston happened to fall under the grips of smallpox. And at the time, Onesimus was trying to explain to his master that he knew an answer. He knew a cure, and the master would ignore each and every single time that Onesimus would present him with the fact of what he knows. And then Onesimus, through his empathetic qualities and just simply caring for humankind, eventually ended up demonstrating to his master. And the master parlayed that information to the town's doctor, whose son, by the way, had fallen under uh, the smallpox uh, crisis, and the doctor played out 
and um, acted on Onesimus' demonstration, and then he ended up inoculating over 200 people in the town of Boston, literally saving that town from the grips and ravages of smallpox. And it was that very same technique that would lead to the advent of vaccines. So in my book, on my site, I refer to Onesimus literally as the father of vaccine. Wow, that's awesome. A slave, isn't that something? And then which I noticed, by the way, the, which the, by the way, I'm sorry, which by the way, that credit goes to an Englishman over 70 years later, that credit went to an English uh, doctor uh, for actually inventing vaccines. But if you trace the history, the invention of the inoculation process that uh, led to vaccines um, begins with Onesimus. Wow, yes. And 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 the there's an audio I noticed on the front of the website. Uh this this I guess historian or professor, this white guy, is talking about how during slavery a lot of slaves invented things, but their owners took all the credit for it. Yes, well, unfortunately, uh, when uh, patents first came out, we still were not literally considered as owners of anything, owners of properties, even owners of our own lives, for that matter. And so slaves were not able to own patents, uh, and many Mm -hmm. uh, slaves actually uh, gave over their patent rights to their masters, and uh, and even those that were able to uh, receive patents did not receive franchise. Uh, and that is what mm-hmm. John Lenhart, the historian, spoke about in that we were very inventive, but we could not receive franchise from our inventions. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there is still a problem that uh, impacts our uh, community even to this day. Yeah. Well, I, I noticed in your in your uh, discussion, or in, I forgot if it's in your Hall of Fame or in his discussion, uh, there is uh, a, some, a black man that's attributed as the inventor of the Whitney cotton gin. And my grandmother told me that. I mean, she lived to be 99. She died about uh, 10, 10 or more years ago. But I remember growing up and her telling me that there was a black man that actually invented the important element of the cotton gin. Uh, of course, we didn't have it in our school books, but is, do you know anything about that, too? Because that, well, I, I that would dispel a few common, um, I'll, I'll dispel a few common misperceptions. Um, Eli Whitney, um, many of us grew up thinking that he was actually a black man. He actually was not. He was the no, owner of the slave. And what he learned in generating the manufacturer of the cotton gin would in fact come from his slaves. Yes, so that is the connection uh, to the cotton Uh gin. And so we have slaves such as Ned who helped to design a special type of reaper, and we have have slaves such as Benjamin Montgomery that, um, well, he actually designed the steamboat propeller, but we have the slaves during that time that all contributed their genius to making their own lives better. And again, it was the... uh, Oftentimes, the slave masters who would reap the franchise from that ingenious mm-hmm. uh, invention. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Well, bring t- tell us about those after slavery. Uh, I was 
stunned to see. I I'd heard about the gas mask and the uh, the traffic light, which we all use every day, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anything about refrigerated trucks that carry our food even today. Who who oh, yeah. was I? I didn't know that was invented by a black man. Yeah, the refrigerated truck was invented by a black man. As you may know, the uh, gas mask, um, the telephone would not exist without the contributions of Granville T. Woods, who sold his patent rights to Alexander Graham Bell, thus allowing Alexander Graham Bell to invent or create uh, the telephone. Mm. And and other common household items, such as the ice cream scooper. The ice cream scooper was invented by Alfred Krell back in 1897, and very few people know that. And uh, so, yeah, next time you go to the ice cream um, shop, think of uh, an African-American inventor. And the gentleman you spoke of earlier, that was Frederick uh, McKinney uh, Jones, and in 1940 he uh, invented the refrigerated truck. But one of the more intriguing inventions that I just recently learned about – Hails from an African-American inventor who was one of uh, Harvard's first, uh, in fact, he was Harvard's first black faculty. His name is George uh, Franklin Grant, and he invented, amongst uh, many things, the uh, cleft pat uh, for people who have uh, cleft lips. He invented a prosthetic Mm -hmm. device that helped to address the alignment of the cleft palate. And wow. interestingly enough, he also invented the common household golf tee. So the next time you're on a golf course and you're grabbing a small golf tee and placing it in the ground, think of George Franklin Grant. And he is the epitome example of not receiving franchise of billions and billions of golf tees that have been used by mankind over the past hundred years. He did not receive any franchise for that invention. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's really, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Well then uh, we're going to continue because there's so many more that you live. The inventor of oh, life. Listen, you know, let me, talk about some of the inventions of the, let me talk about some of the inventions of the black female, black woman uh, inventors. We have a okay. plethora of black women inventors beginning with Dr. Gladys West whose research and inventive ingenious will eventually lead to what we know of today as the GPS system. Okay? The GPS system that we use GPS to go system. everywhere nowadays? You get it. Oh, you my God. It. Yeah. Huh. Then we have, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we have um, Dr. Marion R. Croak, who literally uh, contributed to the invention of the voice over Internet protocol which is an advanced V-O-I-T. form. V-O-I-T, yeah. You got it. You got it. We credit her with it. And, wow. uh, and if you go back in history, you know, one of the very first African-American inventors was, in fact, a slave who had to sign her name with an X, Julia Reed, right? And okay. it is unknown for sure whether or not she signed her name with an X because she was perhaps illiterate and couldn't read and write, and or because otherwise she would not have been able to get the patent because it would have been determined that she was black and blacks could not own a patent. We urge you to go to lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com where there's a webpage that recites two 
uh, and has a picture of Dr. Uh, of, of Professor Howard on it, and also a link directly to the uh, virtual museum, which is the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. The website is bihof.org. And just before the break, uh, you were about to tell us about three current day inventors. Um, but I do want to open up the phone lines if anyone has questions. Please do call in at this time to 1 800 450 7876. 1 800 450 7876. And we'll be glad to take your questions. Um, but, Professor Howard, go on and tell us about you. So that, and I want, I want you to also tell us about these three ladies, but also about current day adventures who are still alive, like Lonnie Johnson, uh, oh. the man that did the, you know, the inventors for the game view or with a view master, which I remember mm-hmm. as a toy growing up, you know, mm-hmm. so please yeah. inform my audience about these amazing people, please. Sure. Sure. Well, we'll begin with uh, the three ladies uh, real quick. That was Dr. April uh, April Erickson, who has a patent related to satellite design for NASA. Remarkable. Wow. Yes. Then we have Dr. Ayana Howard, uh, who owns her own firm, Zero Robotics, uh, a company that connects, uh, uh, uses machine learning and robots to make educational toys for kids. And then the other doctor is Dr. Arlene Simon, who, listen to this now, this is very important, designed, okay, a a mechanism for detecting blood cancer, all right? What? Uh, Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And, yeah, for including the blood cancer when cancer has um, uh, patients reject uh, their bone marrow transplants. So this is a remarkable doctor and inventor. And all three of these sisters, again, were just recently featured this past week on a webcast for the uh, U.S. PTO office, United States Patent and Trade Office. Um, they look like young women when I look at their pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, they're very much, very much alive and active and still doing a lot of inventive things. And the other uh, gentleman you had mentioned earlier, uh, Mark Dean, uh, he has nine patents um, related to the invention of the personal computer for IBM. And his work is Uh just as essential in the evolution of the personal computer. So we turn to him as an inventor, uh, as one of the inventors of the um, IBM personal computer. And I will be uh, inaugurating uh, Dr. Um, Mark Dean into the um, Black Inventors Hall of Fame and an event in uh, May of this year. And so he's another That's brother right. who's very much active. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Uh, tell us a little about this event in May of this year that's coming up, uh, because that sounds like it's something that my audience should know about. And is it going to be a virtual event where we can listen in or see you know, what's going on. How, tell us about that, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're actually planning on doing both live and, and virtual. Uh, the site will be Tulsa, Oklahoma, right where uh, green in the Greenwood District of, of uh, Oklahoma on the campus of uh, Tulsa University. And it's going to be a two-day event that will um, highlight and feature 
the Black Inventors Hall of Fame, inducting six new members into the Hall of Fame, the Black Entrepreneurs Hall of Fame, inducting six new members into the Black uh, Entrepreneurs Hall of Fame, uh, and then other uh, features from our Black Tennis Hall of Fame, as well as our newly formed Black Executive Hall of Fame. And all of those four organizations are part of a consortium, okay, whose, again, key mission is to highlight black excellence. The consortium itself is actually called Black Excellence Alliance. Okay. That sounds fascinating. So our goal is to uh, promote uh, the growth um, of education, employment, and entrepreneurship uh, throughout our Mm -hmm. community. And again, as I may know, we'll be holding our first major event in Tulsa, Oklahoma on May 30th. And that is designed to uh, coincide with the commemoration of the 100th centennial anniversary of the Greenwood Wall Street Massacre, where more than 300 black businesses were destroyed and hundreds of lives were lost, um, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well... Please continue to uh, let me know about that event so that I can announce it on the air and I can give uh, more information to my audience about it because it sounds like it's going to be not only a great um, uh, event, but one that is going to be full of information that we all need to know. And those of my audience who teach school in particular, as well as any parent, uh, needs to know these, this important information, okay? Um, it, I think it's very, very important. So tell me a little more, though, about uh, current day. Uh, like the, I, I saw in your – someone that had to do with cataract treatment, someone that invented something that assisted with cataract treatment – who was that? Because I don't, I didn't get a chance to write uh, yeah, down is, uh, Dr. that name. Uh, it's a lady. Uh, yes, it was another one of the female doctors uh, who has mm-hmm. attention of, of of addressing cataract, and that is Dr. Patricia Bath. Uh, she did okay. a laser uh-huh. faco probe for cataract treatment, and she was the first to develop and invent that specific type of device. Um, yeah, I mean, our contributions are unlimited uh, in terms of making an impact on this uh, this country, this country's very existence. Um, yeah. And wow. I would be remiss, by the way, if I did not give a special acknowledgement to Dr. Uh, Charles Drew, who, uh, yes. as you know, is responsible for the invention of present-day blood bank and develop the process of separating plasma. Well, because of that, we're able to today give COVID plasma, which helps to save lives every day. Uh, Oh, yeah, I personally have uh, have given out COVID plasma four times now because I tested for high antibodies after contracting um, COVID-19 way back in March of last year. Uh, Wow, wow. Yes, we... we, we offer our, our gratitude and appreciation to Dr. Charles Drew for the invention of Absolutely. the uh, blood transfusion system that allows right. the generation of plasma. 
and a lot of his family is here in D.C. I, I understand we have a caller on the line. Hello. Good morning. You're yes, on the good, air. Yes, good morning. Um, great show as usual, Ms. Mitchell. Um, I grew up in the Caribbean, and one of the things we used to argue about a lot was what is real and what is fake. So if someone had something, mm-hmm. we would say, no, that's the fake. Give me the real McCoy. So I don't know, <laughs> Doctor, how it can tell us about the, the story about, about uh, Mr. McCoy. Because I heard different versions of it. I knew he was um, <laughs> I in Buffalo or Canada or something like that. It had to do with, with inventing machines or uh, engines. What, what can you tell us about the real McCoy? Yes. Good uh, first of all, the real, that expression of the real McCoy actually comes from um, the Elijah J. McCoy himself. What would happen was, speaking of not receiving franchise, he again is a a uh, ideal um, example of an inventor whose product was so superior, so so superior, yet experienced nothing but frustration in trying to sell it and trying to gain a franchise from it. So what other white uh, entrepreneur manufacturers decided to do was attempt to knock it off. But his invention Mm. of his lubricating cup was so uh, remarkable and so far superior to all others that when people would go into the hardware store, particularly from the train industry, and they would go and they would ask for this lubricating cup, they'd be sure to tell the salesperson, oh, and make sure that it's the real McCoy, because they didn't want a knockoff. <laughs> His product was that superior. And, and, and eventually, Elijah McCoy got so frustrated, he decided to just start his own manufacturing company. So he's one of the first... Um, and by the way, he's Canadian-born, but he spent the majority of his um, life here in this country. He's been one of the first uh, black manufacturers uh, in this country to set up a full-scale uh, manufacturing plant. And uh, so, yeah, that's wow. the story of the real McCoy. Great guy, by the way. Wow. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, but there's, there's, there, there's some current-day people I don't want to miss. Lonnie Johnson being one. Tell me about Lonnie Johnson, please, before we end we end the program. I appreciate that. Uh, Lonnie Johnson is significant to talk about for two reasons. One, the remarkable work that he has done on both the entrepreneurial level and his research into energy consumption um, and preservation and all of that, as well as his scientific genius in designing the super soaker toy gun. And as such, Lonnie Johnson will be in, in, uh, inaugurated into both the Black Inventors Hall of Fame and the Black Entrepreneurs Hall of Fame come this May. He is also the subject of a short film that I'm producing called Black Inventors Got Game. That is a short, short documentary film that tells the story of four remarkable black inventors and their groundbreaking contributions to the toy and game industry. And that film is going to debut at the May 30th event. Okay. He's a remarkable so now, how, how Did I see the, word, the term $18 billion in sales next to his name for toys uh, no, that he has actually, invented? The, the Super Soaker has over a billion in sales, yes. It has grossed over a billion in sales. It's one of the more successful uh, toys uh, in modern-day history, yes. Wow, wow. But he doesn't just – I didn't realize that he didn't just do toys. I didn't know oh, that yeah. he did. It, 
other things. What what else does he, he do? He owns his own. He owns his own uh, manufacturing company in Atlanta, and, and he's uh, focused on doing. Uh, you know, he's a former NASA uh, engineer, and he's focused on uh, doing work uh, related to energy. Uh, conservation uh-huh. and, and other things. You know, he is a true rare innovator, and it is a pleasure. Um, you know, it would be a pleasure working with him uh, on this film, as well as uh, meeting him and um, and made to um, offer or you give him his um, award for being inducted into the Black Inventors Hall of Fame. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, man. I just yeah. looked him up real quick while we're talking. We have the same birthday. Not the same year, oh, but October 6th is his birthday. I just looked him up. He went to Tuskegee uh, so Institute. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the uh, Tuskegee um, Historically uh, Black uh, College, yes. Wow, and he's a aerospace engineer. Aerospace, right. you got it. Yeah, he worked at NASA at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Excellent. Well, that is what wow. eventually led to the invention of the super soaker. He was actually working, uh, doing research in that area of jet propulsion. <laughs> and uh, before you know it, a little bit of curiosity on behalf of his daughter, uh, making a suggestion. And next thing you know, you got one of the world's most uh, successful uh, toy creations. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. What advice do you have? For anyone listening who thinks that they have an idea that could become a invention, do you have any general advice that you can I give do. in four minutes or less? No problem. <laughs> Sorry. I can give it to you in 30 seconds. And that is simply okay. to embrace a belief in what I call the DBA of invention. And that is dream it, believe it and achieve it. So if you have an idea, you have to. You have to share it. You have to believe in it. You have to have an absolute conviction towards it. And then you just go out and achieve it. But it won't go anywhere unless you can dream it and then put it out there. Share it with someone. And the forces, right, the laws of attraction will bear on your commitment to that idea and will help to make it happen. But it starts with you, um, believing in it uh, and wow. having the conviction to put it forward. And if they're having any yeah. problems, they can always just shoot me a line and I'll be able to work one-on-one with them to help them get their ideas out. I still do that as a consultant to people all over okay. the country. Mm-hmm. And how do how do people reach you, Professor Howard? How, how well, does someone reach you? Mainly through my school, uh, which, uh, if you don't mind, um, Right now, I can give you my 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 personal direct um, email for that is jhoward eight five three two at gmail dot com. jhoward eight five three two at gmail dot com. That's directly attached to my school, Entrepreneurial U, and then I would be able to help them out um, with ideas. I I don't mind helping people at all. Oh, that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. That and I'm sure there's somebody listening that could use that help because you were told that you would never invent anything. Is that correct? Uh, I was told, as you made note earlier, that I ranked a zero compared to all of the other graduate students. And my thesis project ended up winning an international design award. And I was catapulted Uh on a trajectory of success that is immeasurable in the annals of young African-American 
boys and men studying industrial design back in the 70s. So, yeah, mm-hmm. zero. Yeah. So so don't let other people discourage you. Don't let Never other people discourage you. Never let anyone change your trajectory. Never. Right. Absolutely. Right, right. So I want to encourage everyone to go to B-I-H-O-F dot O-R-G. There is just uh, it just one after the other after the other after the other of black inventors of major inventions, not just little bitty stuff, but major like the I noticed that you have the first successful heart surgery was done by a black man. Yep. That's correct. Daniel Hell Williams. Indeed, uh, they opened up a pro, uh, um, hospital in his name, Provident Hospital, on the south side of Chicago, and I came up within walking distance of uh, Provident Hospital. And again, just a remarkable man, absolutely remarkable. Wow, the IBM personal computer. Somebody, a lady, invented like what, something having to do with the touch telephone. Uh, yeah, well, that's the, uh, the the lady that we mentioned earlier on the uh, voice uh, over internet uh, telephone. The same. Okay. But also, there's okay. a sister named Janet Bashan, uh, who was the first African American woman credited with receiving a software patent. Um, wow. And she is presently studying her uh, doctoral thesis work in the area related to uh, patents and design thinking and things of that nature, and just a really wow. um, close colleague. And I wanted to um, make sure I mentioned her accomplishments, so that credit of being yes. the first uh, African-American woman to obtain a software patent. She's wow. also listed on the site, so if your viewers go to the site, yeah. like you say, they will see a large number of uh, great inventive um, talent over a uh, timeline of yeah. over 300 years. Current, yeah. And and a lot of current ones, the, the Jesse and a Russell lot of current ones. Yeah. having to do with way, broadband, you know, G4 wanted, broadband. Oh, yeah. yes. And I'd like to also yeah. encourage your audience to, if they know of an inventor that they'd like to bring to my attention, that they'd like for me to consider placing on the website, please send it to me. Okay. That's jhoward8532 at gmail.com. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you very much. And, uh... I hope my audience enjoyed this and we'll follow up with Professor Howard and tune in next week where we'll have another program for you. Have a good day.